Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast of your life today. Uh, episode 149. We are one away from the big 150. Yay, yay! <laughs> I don't know where the hell that just came from, but I don't know. It's, it's one of those moments where I have to be in a good mood. And why am I in a good mood? Well, let's face it. Thanksgiving is just around the corner. I'm 90% sure I'm going away on vacation. And I don't want to give away too much until we actually hit closer to the date. So that's all I'm going to say. But there's that. The fact that we're one month away. One month away from Spider-Man No Way Home. And the crowd goes wild. <sighs> <laughs> you know, speaking of which, and it's so fitting that I'm doing a podcast today that pertains to this in a way. Today, if you haven't seen it already, the latest and new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer is now being released after the posters, which is very similar. If you know the posters of Spider-Man in general, they look very similar to the previous ones that happened in recent films. You know, like Homecoming and No Way Home. I'm sorry, not No Way Home. See, I'm getting confused already. Far From Home. From Homecoming and Far From Home, you know, you just replace one character and just change it with designs. You would think the marketing team would actually do a little bit more of an enthusiastic point of view where it's like, oh my god, this poster is sick and it's it's so twisted and colorful and, and, and bright and lively. Oh, but it's it's the same thing like the others. Oh. Oh, okay. You know, I, I really wish I remembered this guy's name or this girl's name because I really want to give them credit on Twitter. I saw today that they recently looked at the posters from Spider-Man 2002 and The Amazing Spider-Man from 2012. And how sick would it have been if you just replaced those Spider-Man characters Replace them with Tom Holland. That would have been brilliant marketing. That would have been brilliant. But apparently, or maybe who the hell am I to say, but maybe the marketing team from Sony slash Disney just doesn't think that far ahead. And they feel like, well, we really don't care much about putting a much amount of detail into this and thinking outside the box. So we're just going to rehash the same thing over and over again. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're still getting paid the same amount of money. Like, why the hell do we care? Like, we don't care about this shit. <laughs> I like to think that that's what they're thinking or that's what they're saying behind the scenes. But so, yeah, the new trailer is out today. And I no matter how tempting it is to see it, I'm still not going to watch it. I can't do it. I broke my last rule when I watched the latest uh, the Batman trailer and I had to do it for DC Fandom. That was the only reason why I did it. I can't do it. I, I, I can't. I can't break the rule. I cannot break the rule, sir. I cannot break the rule. It's it's one of those moments where I'm like, you know what? 
I know something is going to get spoiled to me eventually. I know I'm going to be scrolling through Twitter. And once I see the three characters, I'm just going to swipe right by and just move on to the next thing. But that's just me personally. That's just me. But, as I said earlier, we're now one month away from Spider-Man No Way Home. One month away. So, the countdown to that movie continues. The main event, you guessed it, we're going to re-review Spider-Man 2 from 2004. Arguably, the best Spider-Man film ever made. And as of I was re-watching it, I then realized to myself why this movie has such of an impact to audiences all over. From past to present and even for future to come. Because it still holds up to this day. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Because there are a few other things that we're going to talk about as well. And oh my goodness, the plane is going on again. The fucking plane is going out again, mate. It's a fucking plane, man. I don't fucking understand. You shut the fuck up, man. (laughs) I forgive. I, 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 I'm sorry if I'm doing a terrible Scottish or British accent because, you know, I'm, I'm not very good when it comes to accents. Voice impressions I can do. Accents, eh, I got to work on that a little bit more. I just do. But yeah, someone has been talking a lot of shit. Someone has rose up to the surface and even the New York Post took upon this news where a certain director, Ridley Scott, you remember him from the Alien franchise? Yeah, he was like, hmm, these superhero movies are boring as shit. Now we gotta do a deep dive into that one now, shall we? And of course, as I said last episode, the season finale of Doom Patrol Season 3 just finished, so there's gonna be some slight spoilers in that, but I'm gonna briefly go through that as well. And as you know, the main event of the evening, we're going to talk about Spider-Man 2, the best Spider-Man movie ever made. The countdown to Spider-Man No Way Home continues. All that plus our superhero quote of the day. But first, like we always do about this time, let's get the shout outs out of the way, shall we? And I want to give a major shout out to a group of people, a YouTube channel that I've been following for a while, for the past few years actually, and they still hold very true to this day. I want to give a huge shout out to Smosh. From Ian Hekix to I know Anthony is not there anymore. Anthony Anthony Padilla? Padilla? I'm sure that's his last name. If it's not, then I apologize. But from Courtney Miller to, you know, uh Shane Top and all the other guys and all the other cast. I've been watching a lot of their videos because, you know, I need something to laugh and If you have not checked out Smosh, they are a very household name. They still do great in what they do. One of the favorite segments ever on their show, Try Not to Laugh. It's fucking hilarious in terms of what they do. And I can just picture myself, maybe if I could ever audition for the show, you know, as a guest. Because that would be pretty fun. I know they're in LA. I'm sure they're in LA. Um, I would love to, you know associate and have fun with them in some way shape or form just for the laughs that's all I really care about just just to have time you know have a fun time to laugh to you know enjoy myself and these are the guys that I'm sure I can get along with very very well I'm not saying I'm putting my hat in there now but I'm just saying you know I'm kind of putting my hat in there I'm, I'm kind of putting my name in that hat for right now so if you have not heard Smosh if you've not heard their latest content I highly highly recommend it Like I said, 
Shane and Courtney and Ian and, you know, um, Gus. I know Gus is not a regular. He's always a guest. But all these other guys, you know, I awesome, awesome human beings. And they will definitely give you a run for your money for you to laugh. So go check them out. Smosh is still going strong. And I hope I can see a reunion episode of Try Not To Laugh with Ian and Anthony. That, that'd be pretty sick. I know Anthony has his reasons in terms of why he's not doing it anymore. But I'm just saying it'd be pretty sick. It would be. That's all I gotta say about that. That's all we have for the shoutouts. Let's dive into the meat of the episode. First and foremost, Ridley Scott. What do you got to say for yourself? That comes right in a bit. I have heard many haters from pretty much everywhere in terms of social media, in terms of video content, in terms of anything that you can watch or hear that someone in a way would have a negative aspect, a negative point of view when it comes to superhero films, specifically Marvel more than DC, considering that Marvel is killing it, not only in the global, the global box office, but also in the marketing genre as a whole. And this wasn't the first time that we've ever actually heard about this. I believe back in 2019, Martin Scorsese, a legendary director, especially from back then in the 90s, even before then, definitely had something to say on the fact that he said superheroes, superhero comics, superhero movies in general, was not cinema. And you can just imagine the backlash. You can just imagine the amount of hate that he was getting. Oh, you're an old man. You don't know shit. Oh, you need to get with the times. And you don't know this. And you don't know that. And blah, blah, blah. I briefly, briefly heard what he said. Well, read what he said. You know, you know, articles and whatnot. I briefly read what he said. And I didn't really think about it that much. Because I figured... Okay, it was another person's opinion. So what? Who cares? Who cares? Who the hell cares what one guy, one bad apple, I don't know about a bad apple, but who cares about what one guy has to say about my favorite stuff? And then comes out of nowhere Ridley Scott just recently. And then I start to imagine, okay, I'm not saying I agree with him, but I definitely want to hear his perspective. I want to pull up the article real quick. I, I want to put up the... This is... Remember, this was also um, written by the New York Post. So I have a New York Post article right in front of me right now. And it, it, it's, it's amazing that the New York Post actually, like, brought this up. So there's going to be a couple... Of, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there were definitely a couple of highlights that I actually saw that actually jumped out to me. And I kind of want to do my reflection is, you know, a little bit on that. So he says, and I quote, their scripts are not any fucking good. That's a very, very bold statement. Very bold statement indeed. So let's continue. I narrowed it down to this. 
Almost always, the best films are driven by the characters, and we'll come to superheroes after this if you want, because I'll crush it. I'll fucking crush it. They're fucking boring as shit. A lot of cursing. Oof. God damn, Mr. Scott. Ooh, a lot of cursing right there. Ooh. They're superhero movies. So why don't the superhero movies have better stories? Sorry, I got off the rail, but I mean, come on. They're mostly saved by special effects. And that's because boring for everyone who works with special effects if you've got the money. Harrison Ford was one superhero, but everyone was confused because he got the shit beaten out of him at the end by the other superhero. I'm sure he was he's referring to Blade Runner at this time. Who went they thought was the bad guy, but it turned out to be a good guy. I think that's pretty cool. And the article continues, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, going from an excerpt from what Martin Scorsese said in 2019, this is what he said. I don't see them. I tried, you know. But that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them as well as made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances is theme parks. It isn't, it isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. End quote. So there's, so in a way, you may think to yourself, well, there's a lot to uncover, but in a way, there really isn't. And let me explain why. First and foremost, these guys legendary in what they do legendary in terms of directing they know movies like pretty much secondary nature it's what they do they went to school for it they studied the fine arts they become legends their legacy will continue to hold from years on end even after we are gone right so i'm not gonna sit here and point pick specific movies that they made that were not any good as they are because I'm, I don't want to be that guy. This is a podcast where I look at the other side of the coin and I look at other people's uh, different perspectives. And I try to picture myself in thinking, why would they think that way? Why, why is it that they would feel some type of way? Is there any truth to what it is that they just said? And honestly, yes. I'm not going to go as far as to say that they're boring. No, no, no. They are far from boring because they keep you engaged. Yes, there were a few bad movies along the way. Thor 2, Captain Marvel. Some people say The Incredible Hulk. Some people say The Eternals. Good God. The Eternals, you know. Um, What's another bad apple that that comes across to my head? Uh, Let's see. Maybe Iron Man 2. Or Iron Man 3, if you really want to go, like, knife deep into it. Everyone has their perspective. Everyone has their opinion in terms of what they classify as a bad movie. What they classify as a, as a horrifying type of a film. I completely understand that. But if you remember from, I'd say, the beginning of last year, around the times of the beginning of my first episodes... I learned in school back then that what constitutes in terms of what a film is and what is a movie. Film is art. Movie is entertainment. And we are living in the age right now where superhero movies in general has transcended anything beyond belief. It's what everyone sees. It's what the majority of movies see. And they continue to they basically continue to dominate the global box office because they started from an original story 
and it transcended to what they is now, to what it is now. From Iron Man all the way to Marvel Phase 4, after the Eternals, and everything else that came in between, right? But what was the last movie that really became the number one at the global box office? They re-released Avatar. And Avatar, who was Avatar uh, directed by? Was it Ridley Scott or was it someone else? I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I know I should have public knowledge about this, but I really don't. Let me just quickly search this up real quick because that has to be, let's see, Avatar. This was from 2009 and they got re-released and it became the most dominant movie ever in global box history. I think it's close to $3 billion at the global box office and that's huge. That is freaking huge. James Cameron, there we go. So James, James Cameron, he's made a lot of films too. And Avatar is hugely based on special effects as well. Now, you can argue that there's a compelling story, so in a way I'm comparing apples and oranges, I completely understand. But the thing is that you need to truly grasp and realize that there are a lot of movies that not only just rely on special effects, but they do rely on a good story too. And I admit, not all of them has that. Not all Marvel movies has that. You know, when you look at... You can look at any one... You can pick one right off the top of your head. And you can pick it apart like nothing. But there are a few good ones that really connects you in an emotional way. Whether it's psychological, whether it's, you know, anything that deals with human emotions. Take Avengers Endgame, for example. I'm sorry, Infinity War first. Take Infinity War first. The entire thing of what happened was CGI. Of course. Of course it is. They're fighting in planets. They're fighting in different locations. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever the case may be. But when the ending happened. And the superheroes decided to fade. And you realized what it was that what's happening. That the heroes are losing. They lost. And the bad guy won. And the moment... You go into your theater when you're you're already at your theater and you see you hear people crying because they connect to these characters so well when they focus from the very beginning all the way till now. You cannot tell me that's not cinema. You can't tell me that's not cinematic. You can't tell me that there's no emotional and psychological element to this. When children are crying because their favorite superhero died, regardless if they follow the story or not, that's huge. And that's something that can never be taken away from ever again. It's why we were so investigated and so focused on watching Avengers Endgame right after. And it's why Avengers Endgame, regardless of how long and how convoluted the script was and time travel and blah blah blah, regardless of all of that, you can't say that these movies are boring. Maybe, okay, let me rephrase. You can say the movie is boring. You can completely say that. That's completely up to your discretion. But the majority of people don't agree. And let's face it, you may be a director, but that doesn't mean that you're right all the time. Because let's face it, you've made a few other movies that also relied on CGI and CG stuff and special effects 
because you had the money. You even produced a few films and their stories ended up being like shit. Wow, I just said a while ago that I wasn't going to dive into it, but guess what? I just dived into it. My point is this, you know, and I can I can like talk about this for the next two hours, three hours or whatever. Not all of the comic book movies are great. I can completely understand that. But they are made to do one thing and one thing only. They're made for entertainment. Maybe not all of them are cinematic, but a few of them are. And there's nothing wrong with that. When you are in a position as an audience member, a a fan, a fan first, more than anything else, and you go into these movies and you're paying your hard-earned ticket, your $15, $20 ticket, or you are at your couch with your loved ones or your family and you're watching it from uh, Disney Plus or whatever, and you see it, you actually see it, you enjoy it, you enjoy it, you embrace what's going on in the story, whether it's good or bad, you critique it, review it, praise it, shit on it, whatever. At the end of the day, it's all about entertainment because that is the level that we're in right now. You Can you honestly tell me that if you look at the classic movies from back then, from the 60s and 70s, and you try to remake them now, there's no way in hell there would ever be made. There's no way because there are restrictions and we're in the woke culture and we're in the sensitivity world and we have to pay attention to this. Oh, and this has to be representation and blah, blah, blah. Like, I I know that I'm comparing, I'm, I'm putting in too many things at once here in a blender because I'm trying to make sense of this. Again, this is just a few people's opinions and they do have some truth to merit. They do. And, like, I can't argue against that. But you can't say all of them are boring. You you just can't say that. You can't say they don't have an emotional or psychological weight to it. Because they do. And the fact that we're even talking about this. The fact that we're still engaged in following the story. Regardless if we have a strong understanding in terms of where it may or may not lead. I think that's a win. And they've done their job. This is why I was so heartbroken about shitting on Venom 2. When I had to look at it from another perspective and realize, you know what? They're clearly doing this for pure entertainment. They were just restricted because of their rating. It is what it is. So, I partially agree with what he said. For a few movies. For a few. But. But. You can't say. All of them are not cinematic. There's a few of them that are. And trust me. They will continue to go. A very long way. Because we are living in the age of superhero films. And guess what. They are here to stay. And they're not going anywhere anytime soon. It's as simple as that. I know I spent a lot of time harping on that, and hopefully I got my point across. If I'm if I confuse you in any way, shape, or form, please let me know. And if you disagree with me in any way, then I would love to hear another perspective. Maybe Mr. Ridley Scott can come here and, you know, maybe he and I can duke it out one-on-one. Never gonna happen, but, you know, if I was well-known, then maybe. If I was well-known, then maybe. Up next... Doom Patrol, the season finale. Uh, As earlier, I said I'm going to go into slight spoilers. Uh, 
just to briefly touch upon this, because I know a lot of you have not seen the show yet. It is one of my favorite shows ever. You know, with all the wackiness and the randomness and the cursing and the vulgar and the, you know, the violence and everything that goes on to that show. This season was very... I can honestly say that this season was the moment where I actually saw a few of their holes. A few of the holes in terms of plot relevance and the story in general. The first two seasons was all about for you to connect to the character in general. But season two was very limited because of what was happening with COVID. I completely understand that. It wasn't until the beginning of season three where I realized where things was actually going. When they got rid of two of the main characters, one of which was the daughter of another main character, and they got rid of her pretty much after the second or third episode, I knew right then and there that the show really wanted to maintain the focus on the original characters as a whole. This season, in a way, made you turn on your favorite characters because you were rooting for them at one point in the first two seasons, yet this season... They got to be not likable. They became they became people that you just couldn't fear to see anymore. And I don't I can't really make up my mind if that's a good thing or a bad thing. The main theme of this season in general is about redemption. It's about getting a second chance in life. And there were a couple of scenes in a few episodes that really, like, hit me in the feels. And I teared up a couple of times. I really did. And that's partially why I love this show so much. Because you root for these characters, now you're against them, but now you root for them again. And it's pretty clear with that, with all the wackiness and all the random shit that goes on in each episode, you follow along with every one of them on their journey. And you begin to understand why they do what they do, what inspired them, or what made them become who they are. There was one scene in general where they're talking, well, they're talking with their subconsciouses. Sub- subconscious. Subconscious. Yes. Where they're actually talking about with their subconscious and they lay everything on the table. They, they say why they became what they became you know, what made them who they are, why they decide to make certain choices. And it really made you reflect on certain things of what you did in your life. At least for me, it did. So I would have to say, I know I'm briefly just rushing through this and I apologize for that. I know you probably wanted me to go into more details, but if you haven't seen the the season yet, I highly recommend it. It's one of those moments where it's like, it's not the best season of the three. There are parts of it where it did feel like filler in a way, but it was still enjoyable. And if I had to binge watch it all over again, I would. So give it a shot. Give it a shot, Doom Patrol, and hopefully you'll like it. Hopefully, you know, just just enjoy it. Just just enjoy it. It's it's as simple as that. The zombie episode was pretty funny. <laughs> the the zombie episode was definitely pretty funny. So, 
That's all there is to it. It's that time now. The countdown to Spider-Man No Way Home continues. The main event of the evening. And we will retalk Spider-Man 2 from 2004. You know, I have to say this. It did not occur to me. First and foremost, I have seen this movie many times in the past. I did. And I spoke about it numerous times in the past. I have. But it didn't really occur to me of how emotional, how emotionally weighted this film was. Film, not movie. This film was after seeing it just recently, yesterday basically. It did not have that much action like the first Spider-Man film did. It did not have that much of an impact in terms of fighting styles. Or not fighting styles, but like fight scenes. But in a way, that was the main point. The main purpose of Spider-Man in general, as I said many times over, and from Stanley himself, rest in peace to him by the way. He wanted Spider-Man to be relatable. For him to have real problems. For someone to look at a character like this and say, wow, that happened to me. I can definitely relate to this character in many, many ways. It's why he's so lovable. I say this, I said this all the time. You know, this is nothing new. But I don't think it was truly grasped, that idea, until this movie actually hit. He has a hard time paying rent. He can't get the woman that he loves. He's late for school. He gets fired from his job. You know, all of these things that you as an adult, as as an adolescent to an adult have experienced at one point or another, you see it in front of you and you root for him as best you can. But whether it's society or whether it's, you know, uh, uh, God or whatever, one thing that truly makes Spider-Man what he is, Peter Parker... Is the fact that he never ever catches a break. And that is the main core of him. And it was to the point many times over. Where he is just beaten down. And he continues to get beaten down. And you definitely feel extremely sorry for him. You really do. And it pushes him to the breaking point. Where you actually see Spider-Man give up. He's Done. He doesn't want to be Spider-Man anymore. And the funniest thing about this scene. When you know the trash can scene. Where he's Spider-Man no more. And he's talking to Uncle Ben. In his subconscious in his mind. And the very next scene. After that it goes. Raindrops keep falling on my head. I don't know the fucking words. So I'm not even going to continue with that. But you see that he's happy. You, you know, you you see that. Okay, well, maybe maybe this isn't so bad. You know, maybe maybe there's there's some light at the end of this tunnel. He doesn't have to be Spider Man to be happy. No, no, no. Let let him focus on himself. And you see that. You see a lot of like scenes that gets dragged on a little bit. But you see that. You know, he goes to his. You know, he goes to Mary Jane's play. He he goes to school. He's he's passing his grades and and he's doing his thing. You know, like he's he's happy. And then it slowly unravels to him where there was a burning building and he's trying to save a couple people's lives. And then at the end of that, he realized, oh, my God, someone recently died. And that enabled him to really dig deep down to realize what the hell is he supposed to do? The thought of being Spider-Man 
of doing the right thing every day in his life, it takes a huge toll on him physically, emotionally, and it, and it in a way, stops him from using his powers. Because now it's just the physical aspect. Now it's a psychological aspect too. And even though there was the funny scene with him talking to the doctor where he actually admitted that he's Spider-Man but in his dream and then he said it's a French dream. I have to admit that that scene was stupid but it worked. It was a stupid scene but it actually worked. Because the doctor was like, alright fuck it you're Spider-Man sure whatever. It, it, It was just brilliant all around it really was. But I have to say though, there were two scenes in this entire movie that really, really, like, I really focused in on the most. Aside from the fact that the guy, which was actually portrayed in the movie, by the way, so props to that, where he looks up to Dr. Octopus uh, Otto Octavius and he becomes the monster, he becomes uh, a product of his own creation, and his best friend is turning against him and fucking hates him because he's still with Spider-Man. And the fact that he keeps on getting fired from J. Jonah Jameson. And the love of his life is getting married. And all of this stuff just c- crashes in together. There were two scenes that really stood out to me the most. Actually, three. Two and a half. Two, two and a quarter. Two and a quarter. Let, let's start with the quarter. Number one. When Aunt May gave him the $20. When Aunt May gave him $20, it was right after Peter Parker's birthday. And Peter just felt so bad. And you just see Aunt May. She's break. She's just broken down. And the fact that she misses Uncle Ben so much. And you know. You, you can tell. He hasn't even told her what happened yet. And you can just tell that. That must be weighing on him so much. And the very next scene. What happens? His landlord takes the $20 away from him. And you're like. Son of a bitch. That actually happened to me too at one point. So there was the quarter scene. But the two main scenes that really, really stuck out to me, which I feel like really made this movie so grounded, so realistic, so emotional, and so impactful. uh, These are the scenes. Number one, Aunt May talking to him right after Peter admitted to Aunt May what happened to Uncle Ben. You remember the scene what I'm talking about. You know... Aunt May is going through a foreclosure of her house and now she's moving out and she she forgives Peter for what happened because she loves him. You know, she's she's always there for him no matter what. And the monologue that Aunt May said, the monologue that Aunt May said, you know what, I, I can't even repeat what she said. I'm just going to play this clip. Hopefully I don't get flack for this. But I'm just going to play this. This is from Spider-Man 2. Just listen to this. Everybody loves a hero. People line up for them, cheer them, scream their names. And years later, they'll tell how they stood in the rain for hours just to get a glimpse of the one who taught him to hold on a second longer. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble, and finally allows us to die with pride, even though sometimes we have to be steady and and give up the thing we want the most. Even our dreams. 
Spider-Man did that for Henry, and he wonders where he's gone. He needs him. Wow, it actually took every ounce of my being to not tear up again because I saw that scene this morning while I was working and this this scene really just hits me from the emotional weight I always keep saying that but from the from the words her her impactful words on the fact that you come to the realization Peter can be happy any like he can do whatever he can to try to be happy, to try to do things for for himself. Like for it, it's his chance to be selfish, for him to focus on himself. But at the end of the day, if there's one person, just one, that is inspired by what Spider-Man is, inspired to be like him, to be saved by him, to to look up in the sky and 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 see that glimmer of hope and know that just Everything is going to be okay. And Spider-Man resembles that symbol to never give up, to keep moving forward, to do great, to be great. Like, that scene alone, god damn, I'm getting emotional already, holy shit. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's such an amazing scene. And there are theories when it comes to that scene where it was depicted. Chris Stuckman actually said this in one of his uh, Spider-Man reviews where there was strong indication that she knew that Peter was Spider-Man, but she didn't let him know. There's there's theory to this. Whether you believe it or not, she was very, very detailed. And it's by far one of the top scenes ever in the entire movie. The second scene, let's face it, the train scene. Jesus Christ, can we just talk about the train scene for one second? Where, where Tobey Maguire has the, the constipated face and he's screaming and he's giving it his all through sheer will and determination to stop this train and save all of those people. And when he finally does, he passes out. He's like, all right, I'm gone. I'm dead. And the people just gracefully accept him. And they carry him into the middle of the train. And they set him down. And the guy goes, he's just a kid. No older than my son. And it was that moment that they realized that this, this one guy literally was risking everything to save them. So... There will always be people that will be against you. And there will always be people that is going to turn on you. And there will always be people that are going to be the haters. The, the trolls and everyone else that just despises everything that you do. But that scene taught me. And I hopefully, hopefully it teaches everybody else that there's always going to be the good people out there. That will be appreciative to what you do. That will thank you. For helping them. For saving them. And it was that moment alone. Where the good people. Well the people within that train alone in New York. Even though it was like one cart. Let's face it it was like one cart. That you know basically embraced them. It's like. Fucking hell man. Like these are good genuine people. Overall. (laughs) 
the movie still holds up to this day. And it is why I don't think any other Spider-Man movie, with the exception of the video game, I don't think any other movie has surpassed what this movie truly was. It is why it will always be 10 out of 10 for me. The realism, the groundness, the fact that it makes you feel like you are this character is all the more worth it. And I hope that when No Way Home comes, we can finally feel that same way too. That's all I got to say about that. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, you know what to do. Continue to like, subscribe, follow, share, and don't forget to Hulk smash that button in every platform that you have. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your lovely podcast materials. And like anything else, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can hit me up, Voice of Garcia, on Twitter and or Instagram. I'm always on the Twitter, so you can tweet me, you can message me, you can do whatever you want to me. That sounded so gay, but I don't give a damn. It's like anything else, man. We're just having fun. And you know what? I really don't want to give a, uh, I don't, I don't want to give a quote of the day, like right now, because I feel like Aunt May her quote of what I just played, that was more than enough. And if you want a good cry, play that scene. Just keep playing that scene if you want a good cry. I'm, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. There really isn't. All right. Tune in on Friday. I will be back Friday where we will continue our countdown of Spider-Man No Way Home and we are going to dive, dive down this roller coaster for Spider-Man 3. Oh, this will be a doozy. And as always, when it comes to superhero news, games, shows, movies, or whatever the case may be, always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time, I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.